Proverbs chapter 30. Um, greed is defined in the dictionary as an inordinate longing, um, especially for wealth, desire for processing or having more than one needs or than one is just covetous. This really seems to define a lot of our society. Um, people just aren't content, wanting more and more. It's not enough to have what I have. How can I get more? Whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or, and it seems to be more than just those two days, just defines, defines our lives. Um, we live in a very consumeristic society. And we, may, we may be able to see that by looking at some numbers that I'm about to give. You know, we look at, at credit card debt. Um, one article said that 55% of adults, that American adults that have credit cards are in debt, and the average comes out to be $6,849. And with that average, they're paying on interest $1,162. That's some pretty staggering numbers, you know, to, to be in debt that much and to be throwing away that much money in interest. You know, but, but sometimes, you know, people get into debt, and I get it. You just can't help it. Maybe there's a... A sudden emergency, a health emergency. Maybe your car breaks down. Maybe um, your car is stolen, or or it gets sideswiped and it was just parked and it wasn't even your fault. Um, but maybe the person didn't have enough liability coverage, and so you're left with a vehicle that's broken up. Um, surveys show us though that people don't get in debt for those big ticket items like I just defined. It's not really that. It's a large chunk was because of travel that we're going to travel this year and that we're just going to put on the credit card and enjoy ourselves and we'll pay it off later. Another large chunk was just clothing and entertainment. We, just, we are just going to have this in our budget. This is just what we do or I need more shoes. There was one lady in the previous church, um, the amount of shoes that she told me that she had, I mean, it was like closets full. Like you wouldn't have enough days in, 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 a, in like three months with all the shoes that she had. It was crazy. And she didn't feel too badly about it. She's a, she is a wonderful lady, though, despite that. Um, but, you know, another Internet article talked about the largest group going in, in debt financially, or I sh I'm sorry, that's declaring bankruptcy. Guess, guess what age group it is? It's 55 and older. They said the fastest group, 55 and older, declaring bankruptcy. The next group is right behind them, 50, 45 to 54. And it's not... You know, it's not things like, like um, parents running into problems or some serious health and they had to put things on their credit card. They're saying that it's oftentimes just buying things that they um, didn't need or talking, one article talking about parents taking out a second and third mortgage because they're just buying more stuff and spending it. Um, and we could tell you stories about that that maybe I would be wise to skip it right now. Um, but just all of the, the things, just what, what we could do to just spend because we want to have. We're going to die. I remember one pastor in up, upstate New York, um, he was kidding. Um, but Craig Golden was saying, you know, isn't it the goal of all, and it was a, a meeting of pastors, isn't it our goal, man, to die as close as we can broke so we don't leave anything? <laughs> and then actually was talking about it. actually it's, it's a godly thing to, to leave something for our, for our kids. Um, I'm glad my daughter's not saying amen. <laughs> Let's look at Proverbs 30, verses 11 to 16. I'd like to read this before we, uh, we get into this tonight. Proverbs 30, verse 11. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who clean, are clean in their own eyes but are not washed of their filth. 
There are those who, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, who to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. The leech has two daughters, give and give. Three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, the land that's never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. This whole passage is about greed, about wanting. And it seems, the writer seems to move from one subject, speaking of, I think it says in the authorized version, the generation and the ESV, those. So describing those people. So it's one generation, and he gives then four examples that's describing their greed. Um, four groups in verses um, 10, 11 through, through 14. And then he describes four um, inanimate objects or examples of greed and how it just flows through. But let's look at verse, verse 11. There are those who curse their fathers. So 11 through 14, giving four groups of, of examples. Um, first, he's zeroing in on, on, on a group of individual generation that, that's cursing their, cursing their parents. Um, I don't think we have to say cursing being like using foul language and cussing them out, so certainly that would be included, but I think it's far more than, than that. What would he mean by cursing? A generation of, of, of kids or people, doesn't have to be a kid, it could be my age, you know, where we're not, where we're cursing our parents, where I think the idea really is just not showing respect towards them, right? To be rude towards them, to not show care towards, towards them, is to treat lightly or not, you know, just not give them the respect that, that's due. Um, so he's speaking of a generation that just doesn't have the care that they should towards, towards parents and have that, that healthy relationship. And we have to ask, well, why is that happening? And I think it's, it's the reason is giving us the definition of the theme of the whole passage. Why, why would I or any of us be disrespectful towards our parents? What's the answer? Why, why would I be rude? Why would we be rude? Why would we um, treat them lightly? Be- What's that? You're right. That's what it comes down to because I'm being selfish. And, and I, I'm I, studying for this, this passage. I was, you know, like, Lord, just help me to keep working on my patience. You know, because it's always like, okay, I have 15 minutes. Okay, I go downstairs at 515. I've set aside 15 minutes to do this. Boom, boom, boom. Well, now it's, he's slower, so I need to set aside 25. But sometimes, oh, man, what was it, a couple of weeks ago? Dad, what, 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 why didn't you? And it's just so sweet. Dave, I, I don't know. It's like the Lord slapping me. I mean, that I need to, in a sense, not curse, to have patience and love and respect and, and just gentleness and, and, and on and on it goes. Um, but to not be selfish, it's not, it's not about us. It's God has given us this relationship and how we're to care. Um, turn with me for a moment into Mark chapter, chapter 7. And it's a truth that I, I believe we're, we're rather familiar with, but allow me just to read it in case um, some may not be as familiar. Um, we find in Mark chapter 7, in Jesus' day, he had some contemporaries that were getting out of this commandment of taking care of parents. Um, it gives this truth that we're to honor father and mother. Well, here's a way that they were getting around it. Let's look at Mark chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. And he, Jesus, said to them, You've have, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. 
For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained, have gained from me as Corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making it void um, by God, by your tradition that you hand it down. So the setting is, as probably familiar, is as they're caring for their parents and as their parents have more needs and, you know, you don't have a, a social security system or maybe they don't have, they didn't have savings. So now it's up to the children to take care of their parents. The kid doesn't want to spend the money on his, on, his, on his dad or his mom. I don't want to take care of you anymore. And so the way they would get out of it is to declare a Corbin, which means I've dedicated this money now to God, and it's to go to him, and it's to be placed on his altar so to be sacrificed. doesn't mean they have to do it. It just means they have that intention of doing it. So, no, Dad, I can't, boy, I don't have the money to, to help you out right now. Or, Mom, I can't do that because this money is Corbin. This is given to God. And this is what we're seeing back in Proverbs chapter 30. It's, it's, a, it's a disrespect to parents. So it's a generation. So he's, he's plowing through this passage, and he's talking about greed, people that are greedy, people that just want for themselves, people that, that aren't sensitive or looking around to the needs of others. Then we look in verse 12 of Proverbs 30. There are those who are clean in their own eyes but are not washed of their filth. It's another, it's in the same family of greed, same family of selfishness. And we look at this as really, I think, as hypocrisy. It's they're making a, they're making a statement, um, but they're not clean in their own eyes. See, their own eyes defining their spiritual condition. So here we think we're okay, and they think they're clean, but they're not righteous. They're not, they're not clean of their filth before God. And this is a group of people that, we rub shoulders with all the time. People that think that they're righteous. People that feel that in their own eyes that they believe that God's going to give them a thumbs up because they do the external, right? They're, they're making us, they're weighing that scale. And I had a conversation with, with um, um, two people on Saturday in the conference room here. And she said, well, we just kind of think the scale, you know, that God will be pleased. And that's, we, we hear that repeatedly, that God will weigh the good deeds that I have done and it will outweigh the bad deeds and I will be accepted. But here he's, he's talking that we're, we're, we're not getting it. We're, we're, we're blinded. We're filled with our hypocrisy. If I think by me simply doing a few things the, of saying hi to somebody or, or helping a parent or, or doing some other good deed that I'm going to gain merit before God, that I'm filled with blindness. I'm, I still have my filth is what he, he's driving home here. Um, self-righteousness. When a, when a person clings to their self-righteousness as a way to get merit before God, they're consumed in their greed. God, I don't need you. I'm the captain of my own soul. I got this covered. I don't need to, 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 to look to, 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 to you. I mean, Christmas, you, you say it's coming of, of, a, of a Savior. I don't need a Savior. I am my own Savior. See, that's, this verse is describing our society that's filled with greed or selfishness or in their own person, in their own um, um, righteousness, so to speak. But driving on in verse 13, there are those how lofty are their eyes, still looking at, really giving us a, a window as to their spiritual condition, how lofty in their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. lift. What's he talking about here? You ever talk to people that are just 
filled with themselves. You know, like they look at you and like, well, who are you? They raise their eyebrows. And isn't that haughtiness? You know, arrogance? Like here, here, um, they look down on you. Here, peon, take care of my car. Or here you go, peon, here, get, get my food for me right now. You know, this is what I want. That's not what I order. You know, it's this arrogance or this, this haughtiness. Um, they raise their eyes when they're frustrated, right, or impatient. You know, they're, they're haughty. Just describe, and, and sometimes maybe we are those people. We find ourselves in haughtiness. We find ourselves in, in that situation. Um, but we ought not to be. But he's describing uh, people that aren't satisfied, people that, as we'll see in a couple of verses, give, give, people that are, that are greedy, that are just filled with themselves. I looked up a, an article was talking about 10 ways to tell if a person's arrogant. What are some, some ways? Maybe you've come across some of these. Um, they drop names out of context. You're not even talking about it, but they just drop names. I remember talking to um, Ryan Edlin years ago, and his wife, um, she, was, she was a lawyer in New York City. Ryan had been in our youth group, and he said, man, I just went to this, this party in New York. It is so disgusting. I forget the mayor who was, but the mayor was there at that time, and you hear all these people dropping names, and oh, I know so-and-so. I mean, you, she, I got to outdo you. Well, let me tell you who I know. You know, you just keep going up the chain. Um, or how about avoid people that avoid eye contact? Why do they avoid eye contact? If I'm talking, <laughs> I'm over here, Dennis. <laughs> but if I'm like, I'm talking to you, and I'm like, I'm looking to see, uh, I'm looking beyond you because I'm really hoping somebody more important will come along than you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it doesn't that happen? You know, and I, and I, and I, I want to work on that because I find myself sometimes doing that because I, I have to catch somebody, you know, and I don't give somebody my, my attention. Well, that's, that's just, that's wrong. That's really arrogant. You know, this person deserves my attention. I'm not going to look for someone else. If I have to make a phone call, I need to do that. But to look and square them up in the eyes or use condescending phrases or put down or how about interrupting conversations frequently? And that's why we, 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 we want to teach our children. I love years ago when we would teach the interrupt rule, you know, if a parent's talking, if we're talking to somebody and children need to get our attention, you know, often what happens, what, the, what, what happens a lot of times, if I were talking, my ch- children come up, is like I would turn from you, yes, center of the universe, what do you need? You have my complete attention. You know, but that's what happens, but you just quietly put your hand on your dad's back and they know that you're there and you tap their back and you're really saying to them, when I could break this conversation respectfully, and, and, and show respect to the, the dear man I'm talking to, you have my attention. And you try to do it within 20 seconds, because it might be a real emergency, you know, like, uh, mom just fell and she's lying in the street. <laughs> but anyway, interrupt, kind of have, have an answer for everything. People that just, like, they have an answer. They just know everything. You know, like, you go, like, well, let me tell you. And just just uh, ask me later and I'll give you more answers. <laughs> Always one up with the other person, you know, they got to they gotta get better or they're going to blast competitors or they're going to blame someone else. And on and on it goes. But they're people that are, they are their favorite subject. They just want to talk about themselves. They want to talk about their latest accomplishment. That's this generation. A true story I read some years ago in the Daily Bread, when I would look through Daily Bread for illustrations, and it, it gave this awesome um, true story. It was in Denver was flights were canceled um, because of weather. And so this one agent, why there was one poor booking agent, but she was there, and there was a long line of people. 
waiting, going through. And all of a sudden, this well-dressed businessman comes up, puts down his stuff. He says, I have to be on this flight, and it's got to be first class. And she said, well, sir, I'm, I'm sorry. We have a whole host of people here that, that they're right here in front of you. And he says, do you know who I am? And she got, without missing a beat, got on the intercom and said, excuse me, if I may have everybody's attention, we have a customer here who has lost his identity. He doesn't know who he is. Does anybody know? Does anybody know this gentleman? And everybody just burst into laughter. Oh, that's our generation. You know, do you know who I am? We're just filled with ourselves. And it's this look that people are giving that, that's haughty, that's so arrogant, that they've arrived, that they are special. So give me your, your attention. Again, it's, it's greed that's the subject here. Give, 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 and we'll, we'll have application um, at the end in a moment. But um, verse 14, there are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, who devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. People that just use their power, their position um, for their wicked ends. That they're just, they're, they're just use people. I want to accomplish things, and if I have to use you, I have to hurt you, I, I'll get my, my means, I'll accomplish my end. We hear this in various um, stories that break out through the news and illustrations that just shock us when people really would act this way that would be so wicked and vile to use other people to hurt them. A lady that was just released from prison. I follow this story a little bit over the years because it happened when we were on Long Island. I remember I kept the article. Um, happened in two, back in 2007, and she was given an 11-year prison term. But let me back up. Um, she was um, from Indonesia. Her husband was from Pakistan, if I, uh, if I read, remember that correctly. Um, and she had two um, house servants that she had brought over from Indonesia. When they came to, to them, she proceeded to take their passports um, and all their identities so they couldn't leave and get away from her household. Um, and they were perfume moguls. They were just wealthy, extremely wealthy people. Um, well, one day, one of the women escaped the home after years of being in slavery, literally in slavery, and all she was able to say, home, home, want to go home. Um, she was at a Dunkin' Donut in Jericho. Jericho Turnpike in Sayasin. So they drove her back, not to her home, but to find out what was happening there. And this is part of what was happening. Um, the woman of the home would, would take these, let me read it. Um, they beat them with brooms, rolling pins, repeatedly slice their ears with paring knives, starve them, and force them to sleep on the, on the kitchen floor. And I saw a picture of the mat that they would have sleep on the kitchen floor. Um, and, and other things that she would do would um, force them to take 30, I don't know how you do this, but 30 ice showers in a row. And other times running up the stairs 150 times, um, beating them all the meanwhile. I mean, just abusive, wicked. And her husband was given, I think, like seven or eight years because she, he watched it and didn't stop it. I mean, but, but people like this. Now, I know that's an extreme, but that's in our, too often in our society. People that just will take advantage of other people because they're greedy, because they want. Um, we all could tell a whole bunch of stories where once coming out of um, Coles in, in New York, um, the lady, the person in the car must have thought that um, it was Lynn with the girls had brushed up or hit their car, which I'm sure they didn't. Um, but she reached in and ripped up a library book and left a note because you, 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 you tapped my car. 
Um, people are just like that, you know, just I'm going to get, get even, so we paid the library fee on that one. That was okay. Um, how about uh, 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 another illustration of a movie this time of the year? It's A Wonderful Life. Uh, we think of, of Potter, this guy. Potter wants to buy up the whole town. Uh, but um, I think he's your friend George, right? George is uh, this guy in, in town, and he um, works at the building and loan. And he is an individual that's there to stop Potter. Potter, he's not going to let him buy up the town. He's not going to let him have complete control. Um, well, the story goes on. As you remember the movie, he goes and he meets Potter, or Potter, I guess, comes into the bank, and he shows him an article about his brother, a World War II veteran, or a World War II hero, how he's decorated, shows him an article, and um, then he leaves. But Potter mistakenly has all of the money that George had from the bank. Uh, well, Potter didn't return the money. Why? Because he's greedy, because he wants to destroy George. Well, George worked it out, and the town people came around, but warm story. But that's a definition of what people are like, just a, a smaller. People are greedy. And, and, and may we not be that way. May we not be driven by, by greed. Moving on in verses 15 and 16. The leech has two daughters that says, give and give. I was looking at pictures of a leech, and I spared you putting them on the, uh, the overhead here. Just not real, real pretty things to look at, but apparently it's talk like a blood-sucking horse leech that in one part they attach, hold on, and then the other daughter or the other one is talking that has has two daughters the other one then is sucking holding on and sucking and it would be in the water so if a horse goes up the water gets in your nostrils or gets in your mouth and they just are giving they just want they want they want they're screaming give more and more and more um, maybe not too different than the leeches that we might have around here we used to get leeches with with the girls get them on a, on paper and salt and just watch them shrivel up and then I would just set the whole paper on fire and throw them in the dumpster. Uh, I hate leeches. Uh, but things that just, just want, things that just are demanding, creatures that just can never get enough. May the Christian life never be like that. That's not what a child of God is to be, ones that just want, that want, that want. Give me more. It's all about me and how I could get more and how I could use you to get more. Oh. But look at the end of, of verse 15. Three things are never satisfied. Four things never say enough. There aren't, he gives these four inanimate illustrations. These four things will never say, you know, I'm now satisfied. I'm now content. Biblical, biblical truths. I don't need any more. No, they're never said. They just want more. They're not going to ever get to a point where they say, well, now, you know, I'm satisfied. Thank you. Thank you very much. The first illustration that he gives here is Sheol or the grave. Um, the grave is never going to get to a point where, you know, it says that, well, I, I have enough now. You know, I don't want any more people. I got on this one website. It really was a fascinating website. And it showed, it showed on this website the number, and it was pretty morbid, the number of people that died um, per second, per minute, per hour, per day. And here's, here's some of the figures. After two and a half minutes being on this website, 265 people had died. 265, now we're talking worldwide, as 1.78 seconds every, uh, 1.78 seconds death every second. Uh, 107 deaths per minute, 6,300 deaths per hour, 153,000 deaths per day, 6 million per year. In your lifetime, 3.9 billion. I mean, that's a lot of deaths. 
So the grave never gets to, you know, enough. I'm, I'm satisfied. We all have stood at the grave of, of loved ones. The only way that it'll end when Jesus Christ calls us home and then when Jesus Christ comes and defeats the evil one on earth and there will be no more death is a promise in Revelation. But again, looking at things that want, things that are greedy, things that aren't satisfied, things that aren't content, things that don't say enough. I'm, I'm now where I want to be. God has blessed me. Thank you. I don't need any more. But he moves on and he says, not only Sheol, but, but the barren woman, the barren womb. And the barren womb yearns for more. The barren womb wants, wants to have children. It doesn't say, you know, I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, we've shared the pain and, and prayed and cried with many couples over the years. You know, that just, God, just, just give me children. Um, I can remember for the first four years that we didn't have. I mean, only four years. It, like, why wasn't I too patient? I was only 22 to 25. Um, but we just yearned to have children. You know, and, and, and crying out to God, God, just, just bless us with children. Um, I think of Rachel who cried out to Jacob, give me children or else I die. She says that in Genesis 30 as if Jacob controlled that. Or we think of Hannah who's crying out to God and she's in, in the tabernacle, God, just, just bless me, you know, wanting, wanting a child. Or again, looking, continue with this theme of, of giving that's not satisfied, never saying enough. He moves on and he talks about the land that's never satisfied with water. Um, it's not going to get to, to a point where, where a farmer, you know, maybe he had a great year the previous year, right? John, you were a farmer, right? Is that right, in Indiana? No? Uh, you ever get to the point where you had a great year, a lot of rain, and you said, you know what, Lord, thank you for all the rain that we had last year. We don't need any more rain this year. We're good. You know, that, that doesn't happen. A farmer will cry out, God, please bless us again with a great rainfall because the, 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 the land soaks it up and drinks it up, but it wants more. It needs more. Or the last one he produces is a fire. You know, we've watched sometimes the, the California fires and how it just keeps going. You know, fire doesn't get to a point that, you know, we're good now. We have these 10 acres. We don't need the 11th acre. You know, we're happy with what we have. But a fire is all-consuming. A fire just wants more and more and more. Um, when we were in Yellowstone back in 96, and then we saw that it wasn't so visible in, when we were there a couple years ago, but and there was a great fire in 88 in Yellowstone. Perhaps you remember that. Um, just sweeping across, across Yellowstone, it just was, was taking up more and more acres to the point when it was all done. It took about 800,000 acres and what it had destroyed almost a third of Yellowstone. And in the beginning, they weren't sure how to do it. You know, let's just let it be natural. Just let it die out. Because fires are good, you know, because then it brings forth new life. But it was getting to a point where it was destroying so much that so they were taking an aggressive approach. Um, they decided in July to try to suppress it. But by the time they were deciding to suppress it, it already destroyed 99,000 acres. So now they bring in all the fire squad. They bring in even... Um, um, military personnel to try to squelch this fire. Um, it just kept going on and on. It wasn't until the snowfall in September that would eventually put the final fires out, just short of a million, million acres destroyed. But it never got to a point where it said, I, I have enough, I don't need any more. Um, I'm good. So what's, what's the application in our lives? How do, we, how do we drive these principles home or these truths home about not being... Um, greedy or, or to be satisfied with what we have. Um, what should be our, our outlook or our, our, our um, view of life of things? You know, 
it's okay to have things, right? But, but as long as we make sure things what? That's right, that they don't have us. You know, and that we not be so consumed that we're defined by, by buying the next biggest thing or, you know, like I got, I got, to, I got to have this kind of vehicle. Um, a couple of verses that we find, if you would turn with me to Matthew 6.33. So maybe first thing is we want to examine our hearts and say, God, am I greedy? God, am I covetous? And in our prayer time, we're asking God to speak to us. Just show me my heart. Am I not satisfied with what I have? And we confess that sin to God. God, cause me to be, be content. Cause me to be happy with what you have. Then second, we allow, allow the Word of God to readjust our values. Keep speaking truth to ourselves. Keep speaking the word of God to ourselves. And we look at the word, may it shape what defines my, my, my dreams in life. May it shape what defines my time in life. May it shape what is, how I spend my money in life. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, how do I seek his righteousness? How do I seek him first? Well, as we, we confess covetousness, as we desire to pursue God, as we desire to know Him. God, I just want to be filled with who you are and, be, and apply your truth to my life. That's going to change everything, right? It'll change what I desire. It changed things that I want. Not that we're saying it's wrong to get things, but again, that things don't, don't have us. God, I want, to, I want to seek first your kingdom. And as we prepared our heart for that, then maybe our bent won't be so quickly to spend money on ourselves, but maybe it'll be on God's work. I'm meeting with a young couple today, and we were um, going over different items, and next we're going to go over their, 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 their budget, but I, I gave them an old sheet, and I had to cross off the top of it because what I used to use in the past when we had faith promise, and I explained to them, you know what faith promise is? Some of you are familiar with it, um, but I said, you know what faith promise is where we as uh, uh, what we used to do back in New York, um, where we would have a commitment in our giving. We would give to God, and we feel, God, this is what we're going to give, but now we want to stretch ourselves. We want to trust you. We want to we pursue the kingdom of God first. What more can we do beyond that? And so we would do, give it specifically towards missions. So let's just throw out a figure. If you're giving 100, then maybe we're going to pray for 120 this year and the extra 20 specifically towards missions, fully understanding that the part of the 100 was going towards missions anyway, but it's how we were able to increase our mission budget um, by faith promise giving. But that, I'm not proposing that. <laughs> That's not mine to propose. I'm just using that as an illustration. And God, I want to just advance your kingdom. I want to seek first the kingdom of God. I don't want to seek the kingdom of, of Dave Crompton or kingdom of Dennis Hamm. God, I want to be about you and serving you. Um, Philippians 4, 6, and 10, I'll just read these verses. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be, known, be made known to God. And then Paul says in verse 11, uh, not 10, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. God, I'm, I'm content. I'm, I'm good with, with what I have. I'm, I'm okay with the home where I live or with the, the, the clothes. I'm, I'm happy with all that you've given me. I'm content in you because we find our joy in a person, not in things. Then I won't be greedy. I won't be giving or I won't look at somebody and say, oh, man, I wish I had their new van or I wish I had, you know, that, that, that house or whatever a person might have. Um, then the last verse, maybe we would turn here. First Timothy chapter 6, please. Verses 7 through 19. 
again, how do we, what steps should we take in light of our passage? Um, first, we're looking at, God, I, I want to confess if I've been greedy, if I've been, been envious, if I've been selfish. God, I want to get my, my heart right. And then we allow the Word of God as we're in daily getting into the Word, shaping our heart, molding our heart, shaping, directing our desires as we think of such truths as we're looking at. Verses 17 and 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. To, to have our focus and our desire on God and, and God alone, that I'm not consumed with riches, but I'm consumed with God. I'm wrapping up a book, reading, um, I think the guy's name is Stephen Richards, but it's about Chick-fil-A. He was one of the chief exec, um, executive officers. And it just is cool to see how Kathy Truitt um, just set up a, a, a company that was really a biblical foundation and throughout it using biblical passages and how he approached things. But this guy, when he was brought onto the executive team, he said, when I first saw... Um, the whole profit of what we're making and to realize that Mr. Truett was, was giving a large portion, I think it was more than a tithe um, of all of that, not over just what they were making, but what was brought in before all expenses. He said, man, I was just floored. And he had shared how he was struggling in the area of his giving and, and, and being faithful. Um, his, he and his wife had been talking about that at that time. Then when he got this job, and he looked at what Mr. Mr. Um, Truett was giving, and, um, and that's even before he gave personally, you know, just giving out of the company. It was just a great principle. And well, we need those principles in our lives, not to be greedy, uh, not to be individuals that, that say it's, it's not enough, I want more and more, but to see what we can do and, and furthering God's kingdom with all that he's given to us. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you for the word of God and thank you for the examples of men and women that were generous. Um, the widow of Jesus Christ, supreme example, and, and Paul that spent his life and the disciples. God, thank you for examples that encourage us forward to live a life of, of others oriented to serve and please you, a life of sacrifice that it doesn't mean that we have to get more. God, may we give more. May we be more anxious to advance your kingdom as we, we pray of, of all that we can do for your glory. Father, thank you for this time of the year. May we not be greedy to get, but God, may it be our desire to give, to bless others and to give you glory in all that you've done in our lives. We love you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.